Welcome back, pod people. Today is a special Valentine's Day uh, episode of, of uh, Invasion of the Pod People, and I have the most guests I've ever had on yet. I have uh, John Picos, who is the director of photography of the film that we're going to be talking about today, which is Valentine Bluffs, a, a fan-made sequel to the 1981 classic uh, My Bloody Valentine. I also have Darren Pastor, the special effects guy, and Chuck Ryan, who portrayed the miner and Axel, uh, and was a producer for uh, the film. So, fellas, you're in a really unique and sort of uncommon position here in that you're making a fan sequel to a film that's you know, a, a well-beloved classic that, uh, as far as I'm aware, you, there's no like continuity of production crew or anything from the original. It's entirely just fans, is that correct? Uh, correct. There, uh, it, it's a, it's a film that's a, a tribute to the original movie. Um, we have, uh, we have a few celebrities that were tied to it. Uh, unfortunately, due to scheduling issues, we weren't able to get, you know, any of the original cast to be part of our film. Uh, but this is a, uh, a fan-made film, uh, by the fans, for the fans, uh, for our love of My Bloody Valentine. Yeah, I've seen this kind of thing uh, before on YouTube where somebody makes like a Friday the 13th fan film, um, but those are usually like eight minutes long or maybe at most 40, 45, whereas this is a full-on, hour-and-a-half-long feature-length film. Uh, so of, uh, of you three and, and anyone else on the crew, um, how many of you guys were experienced filmmakers, professionals in the industry? How many of you, this was your first time and you just, you know, really had the passion to want to make this specific movie? For me, this was my first, this was my first time. Uh, first film I've ever been involved in, uh, everything. Uh, I was very wet behind the ears. Um, and, but fortunately, I had a lot of great people surrounding me um tom brought me into this project initially and uh i was just super grateful to even be a part of this and then uh you know started meeting additional crew that came on board um john and uh, darren included and uh you know tom put together a a great team we have a great crew and um so yeah, this was my first time. It was it was a crash course in filmmaking 101 for me, um, and everybody just kind of made me feel real at home, um, and I had to learn a lot of you know a lot of uh, producing aspects on the fly uh, as I went on this. So it was it was a real cool ride for me. Um, let the other guys chime in here. Darren, you want to go, or do you want me to go? Yeah, there I go. Um, so yeah, I've uh, I've worked on a few films before. Uh, Tom and I have uh, we've worked on a few projects together, um, but prior to working in film, I spent uh, a long time working in uh, the haunt industry. You know, working in haunted houses and building things for that. I did a lot of things for uh, uh, resorts. Um, you know, they'd have these big theatrical shows. I used to be able to get to make big set pieces and things. So, so for me and uh, to be a part of it was great because, uh, you know, Tom and I were talking about this. Uh, we were on another project together and it was just getting ready to end. And he started 
mentioning about doing this. And I said, you know, I, I love the original, you know. Uh, and when he, he mentioned to me about Chuck, um, I said, I'm in. Just let me know where I got to be, you know. But it was it was a lot of fun to do. Okay. And, I, and I also I also was able to get uh, my band got to do some uh, the music in the movie, which was uh, um, which is a nice surprise. That, that that was that was fun to do as well. Oh yeah, I was gonna ask about that later on because uh, both um, this movie and the original. And John, I'll, I'll let you chime in in just a moment. Uh, but I just wanted to to. Um, bounce off of what Darren was saying there. Both this movie and the original feature a you know uh, original closing song um, at the end of the film during the credits. And I, I liked how you did that just a little bit, like two seconds of the original song uh, before cutting to the to the new piece. Um, so that was your yeah. band playing. Yeah, there? yeah, that was my band, uh, Pocono Posse. Uh, in fact, when Tom told me early on how he wanted to do it, he said he was going to play. You know, there's copyright issues. You really can't play someone else's music but um so i knew we were going to hear a couple seconds of it so i actually when we the band started sitting down to write it we actually wrote it in the same key as the original song so oh, that nice. it would kind of merge together you know um great I, song I yeah i don't have a strong enough ear for music to be able to tell that kind of thing <laughs> but <laughs> but that's cool <laughs> So, John, tell us a bit about your background in film and how you came to be involved in this project. Well, I uh, I worked on a bunch of shorts previously with a bunch of different people. Um, I was aware of Tom. I knew he was a special effects artist, probably one of the best on the East Coast. Um, his name would always come up like, if you ever do anything, you need a special effects artist. You got to talk to this guy, you know. So I reached out to him on a project I was working on at the time. And he made some props for us that came out very, very well. And, you know, I, I saw that he loved horror. I saw that he took an interest in doing things the right way, you know. And I always wanted to work with him as a DP. But he had his, you know, he had his guy and he had his tight crew. And as years went on, um, people went their own ways. So when he contacted me and he's like, look, I'm doing this film. I got Chuck, you know, he's a cosplayer. He's got the minor costume. He's amazing. And he just started giving me the list, the list. And I'm like, dude, it's COVID. You know, this is not something I really want to go and do. You know, I appreciate the offer. And then he actually started telling me um, what happened to him personally with COVID. And I thought about it and I'm like, you know, I got to work with this guy. I, I, I've known him my whole life. I know he does he does quality projects. He works with quality actors, quality people. It would be such a misstep on my part to not team up with these guys. And um, he mentioned about going in a mine, and I'm like, "That's it, dude. I'm I'm there. Let's go. Can we start now?" You know. And <laughs> you know, after the pre-production meetings that we all sat in and we talked about how we were going to do what we were going to do, I realized that this was definitely a feature that needed to be made. It's definitely a um, it's my first feature, which I'm glad that I waited this long for this to be my first, you know, brushing up on the shorts, you know, th this had more of a budget, definitely more professional actors, definitely more of a professional approach. And to do it with these guys was an absolute blessing. All right. Yeah, same. I agree. Nice. That's good to hear. Um, yeah, continuing on the on the subject of semi-professional, semi like combination of professional and amateur uh, contributors to the project, uh, I noticed that the mayor is 
portrayed by Lloyd Kaufman of Troma fame. Um, and I'm curious I'm, for uh, if any of you are familiar with his books and how he became involved in that. Uh, for the listeners, I'm holding up Lloyd Kaufman's book, Make Your Own Damn Movie, uh, which certainly I have found personally inspiring. Uh, and having just read his books and then seeing him show up in this fan film like this that uh, is, to my knowledge, Troma Production is not involved in it in any way. Um, how did all that come about? Uh, yeah, uh, to my knowledge, uh, uh, one of the uh, actors in our film, um, uh, mine's going like now. Uh, I think it was Courtney, played, right? Courtney, yeah, thank you, John. Yeah. She played the uh, the news reporter. Uh, I, be okay. I believe she is uh, a direct relation to uh, Lloyd Kaufman. Um, oh. I, I, I believe she's his goddaughter. Um, anyway, uh, we kind of made contact with Lloyd um, through her, and um, and he he seemed interested. And uh, I think Tom Smith, our director, got to you know have have some discussion with Lloyd, and uh, that's kind of how that came out to be. And and I think Tom initially had good idea of of what character he wanted lloyd to play you know he's just got that uh that 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 you know his his in all his quirkiness uh, was a really yeah it was mayor. a really good fit uh for the role of the mayor who was uh a, a weaselly and a slime bag just uh looking to exploit the town and and use people to make money so uh I think he fit that role very well added uh you know some some uh a comedic element to it and yeah. uh, a character that you look at when you watch uh, scenes that he's in it's like oh man i i hope that guy gets it you know <laughs> so uh yeah it was it was a uh, it was uh, an honor to to work with him and uh it was real uh easy to work with him we 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 had him on set uh i think just for a just for a day i believe and um, yeah, it was real, real easy to work with. It was fun. Had me laughing the whole time. Yeah, yeah. The great, the greatest thing about Lloyd was, uh, as Chuck has said, he would, he really was sleazebag on film. But as yeah. soon as the cameras were off, you would interact with the guy. I got to tell you, I, I never thought in my wildest dreams that I would meet a star of his caliber and be such <laughs> a gentleman. I mean, he went out of his way to make you comfortable. And yeah. you know that says a lot for somebody who has as many credits and prestige as Lloyd does. So yeah. I'll never forget that. And Lloyd, if you watch this or hear this, uh, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for the great experience. I I got yeah, to I get to help kill uh, Lloyd. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, with a piece of rebar yeah. in the neck. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, man, well, I could ask you questions about the production all day, and we'll get back to that in a moment. But let's take a bit to talk about the story now uh, and the characters. Um, one thing that you just mentioned that got uh, my brain worrying on this is talking about how the sleazebag mayor is someone that you really want to see dead. Um, and yeah, that's something that I find to be really important in horror films is that you need to have strong opinions about the characters. You want the audience to either love the characters or hate the characters so in either case we care what happens to them so uh i'm curious uh 
how did you try to um, get the audience uh, to to you know, really feel things for these for the different characters in the film? Well, I think that was a testament to uh, Tom Smith's writing uh, abilities, and uh, really knew how to tell the story. Uh, the first time I read the script through and through, uh, I, I was really stunned. I was blown away. I, I said, "This is this is an excellent script," and there were a lot of things in there that I just didn't see coming as a fan in a story. And I said, wow, this, this is fantastic. This is going to be great. And so I think a lot of it is comes to Tom's writing, but, but also the, uh, the amazing cast that we had too, that was able to uh, portray that and, you know, get, get the audience to feel uh, a certain way about them and, and, you know, I think they did a real all did a really, really fine job in in getting people to either like their characters and feel something towards them or despise their characters. So <laughs> Yeah, and the conversations felt believable. You know, like you felt like they were really even the little banter and stuff in, in the bar and going back and forth, it felt yeah, you know, it felt believable. I I liked the touch of those two uh, Jay and Silent Bob esque yeah, kids yeah. outside of the bar, just you yeah. know, leaning against the wall, yeah. shooting shit, yeah. talking about horror movies with each yeah, other. Yeah. One of those kids was uh, Tom Smith's son Shane, uh, yeah. who did a great job, and then uh, yeah. the other actor was uh, Nikolai uh, Cabana. Did uh, yeah, they pulled that scene off wonderfully. <laughs> they were funny. Yeah. I and I think Tom really went out of his way for like the first 25 minutes of the movie to basically just touch, hey, the minors in the movie, but we're going to spend some time for you to get to know these characters, appreciate them, hate them, at least learn a little bit about them before we start picking them off one at a time, you know? So that's about how you do it in the 80s, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I, yeah. I thought, I thought too, the way whatever, I don't know anything about filming like John does, but whatever you did, it just felt like you were in that world. Like it just, you know what I mean? It wasn't like you were, um, I don't know. When they talk about Halloween, when they're talking about how the original Halloween, how it feels like, you know, like you're in that town and it's it's October, you know, I just felt watching this, I got the same feeling I did when I watched the original. You know, there was a certain color to it or a certain feeling, you know, and uh, I, I, I felt it. I, that's what I thought when I saw it. Well, and I think uh, a lot of that has to do with uh, John also, who you know edited the film. Uh, yeah. he, he pieced things together beautifully and, um, you know, it, it, it really shows. He was able to capture that, that feeling, that essence, that look. And uh, we're very grateful to him as well. I am too, yeah, absolutely. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. I do want to point yeah. out one cool thing since all three of us are here. We contributed to one of the coolest shots in the movie, if you guys remember, where we couldn't get a tracking shot to work properly with the dolly. So I think, Darren, you came up with the idea, let's get this long two by four. We'll prop the camera up yeah. on the middle. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. Darren's yeah, on one yeah, end, Chuck's on the other. The camera's in right. the middle as the actors walked across. And we were able to sidestep these wood slats that you'll see uh, Penelope and Roland um, like as they're entering the Miners Museum. And without these guys, without Darren's knowledge, you know, without Chuck helping out on the other end, I mean, we, I think we pulled the shot off really good and kept it steady. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, it looked good. It looked yeah. very yeah. good. And I, especially watching it on the big screen when, it, you know, when you did the premiere, it looked it looked level. Like, there was none of this, yeah. you know? 
Yeah. Yeah. It's very hard to sidestep with a camera that size at that angle further away oh, yeah. to capture everything. And without you guys, man, I wouldn't have been able to do that. So thanks a lot. <laughs> oh yeah. I remember we had to pace, have almost the perfect pace with one another and then yes. make sure yes. that <laughs> yeah, that was tricky. Yeah, we, it was it, it was yeah. five people in unison, the actors and the three guys up, you know, working moving the camera. That was pretty amazing. I think it, at towards the end, because I ran out of space, I had my fingertips on the board, knowing that there's a very no, don't, don't tell me that. I know. No. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't tell me that. I was I had the hand ready to catch it, but yeah. What? Uh, what kind of camera was this? Out of curiosity, uh, we shot the film um, with Sony fill frame sensors. Uh, wanted to go for uh, for the mine. We used the Sony AF uh, A7S III, which. Um, has very low light sensitivity because we knew we were going to be shooting in dark. Um, conversely, everything else was shot with my Sony FX3. Same thing, full frame, same sensor, just a different body and more um, user friendly. If you were going to let it run all day, it had a fan so it wouldn't overheat, you know, things like that. But uh, that was one of Tom's requirements. He said, look, I want to make sure that this film looks like it was shot on the same camera, not multiple cameras, you know, so let's get the look to look mm -hmm. evenly throughout, you know? So, yeah. Yep. That's the that. color grading and everything a lot easier at the end. Um, cool, sorry. Uh, did, uh, Darren, were you about to say something? No, no, I, I was saying I didn't notice if that was all with different cameras, I didn't notice, you know, the final. Yeah, we, 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 we used two A7S uh, 3s for the mine. Um, and then we use the FX3 for everything else, basically. Same same sensor and both cameras. Cool. Yeah, so you, you talked a little bit about the setting of Valentine Bluffs, which is also the name of the film. Um, and yeah, one of the things that I love the most about the original My Bloody Valentine is what a strong sense of place you get there. That Valentine Bluffs is another character in the movie. You guys have got the same, the mine, of course. You've got the iconic uh, dance hall where the party is held. Um, and... Then other than that, you know, people's houses and stuff are, are a bit, it's different houses. Uh, tell us a bit about the um, setting, what you really wanted to make sure that you captured from the original about it. And another thing that is really interesting to me about the setting is that in both the original and then especially in the sequel, the passage of time is really important and how the set, how things have changed over the decades with Harry Warden's, uh, you know, original murders uh, happening decades before the events of the first film, and then decades after the events of the first film, when your movie takes place. So, how does the town? Uh, how how did the town deliberately change over that time? Yeah. Um, well, our our film takes place uh, forty years later, forty years after the original uh, My Bloody Valentine movie, and um, it's. It's uh, through the as time passes. There's certain people that, um, well, I must say most of the town, you know, still remembers the the tragedy that had happened. But then there's a few elements, uh, such as the mayor, that are choosing to ignore those things and exploit those horrific uh, murders. Um, 
Yeah, I yeah. would say that, that 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 the mayor was ignoring that. I think the mayor was paying quite a lot of attention to it and had dollar signs in his eyes. Um. <laughs> right, right. I, I guess, I mean, uh, if I could rephrase, meaning um, choosing to uh, ignore that there's anything wrong with, um, you know, there's no threat out there. You know, it's everything's fine. Um, let's just all go about our, our business and um, and uh, let him do his slimy slimy deal uh to yeah. profit off of it um but uh but yeah there's this the, the 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 town has been hurting the mine has been closed and uh just the the, the economy uh stinks and um that's that's not what the, the the town doesn't need that right now doesn't need to dredge up those old memories um they're trying to get on with their lives and uh and there's some people that are, you know, characters that ha are relatives of some of the previous victims from 40 years ago. And, um, and yeah, and, and TJ has been uh, kind of run out of town um, and is living his life separately. And, um, and everybody just kind of has this mutual understanding. Uh, the sheriff is uh, struggling with, PTSD in and having to uh, you know deal with those memories of, of Sylvia his girlfriend being killed and um, yeah. you know and, and the deputy uh, is is the nephew of uh, Mabel Osborne um, who owned the laundromat in the original so we we definitely wanted to have you know a few characters t tied in there um, to the to the original um, yeah yeah. Uh... I was reminded of how the modern um, Halloween movies are uh, treating the, the town of Haddonfield and that uh, honestly, th the way that you guys presented the evolution of the town seemed a lot more realistic than the way that the new Halloween movies have presented the evolution of their town, where there, there was like a series of murders and now the entire town is completely obsessed with it and has been for 40 years. Uh, Whereas in your thing, it seemed like people had done their natural grieving and didn't want to think about it anymore and didn't like having it be dredged up. Um, and uh, and then somebody trying to exploit it in a way that, I mean, yeah, I mean, does make does seem fairly plausible because it's this uh, such a such a visually distinctive and un unusual set of murders happening with the mine and everything. Um, yeah, so I thought that was uh, that was an interesting comparison that was going on in my mind, and I'm curious if you guys, if if the uh, new Halloween movies were in your mind during the production at all, or or if that's just a coincidence. Yeah, it might have been a coincidence. I think I I don't I'm not sure. I what I would say though, like in in reality, I think more people would be less apt to celebrate all the murders and be more apt to like hey let's put it away let's not think about it it's a horrible memory you know yeah so I think people can relate to that a little bit more and then even though you know halloween is a great franchise i think um you're watching it it's hard to believe that people would be that happy about it i guess right i guess that yeah sense? yeah 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 i mean um you know these guys are blue collar workers you know they're just trying <laughs> to get through day by day you know 
think we would deal with COVID every day. These guys have to deal with the legend every day. So some people will embrace it. Other people will be disgusted by it and other people will exploit it. It's the same thing that's going on right now, you know? Yeah. Well, and, and with the, the mind being closed down, um, you know, the mayor doesn't seem to be too interested in helping the, the townsfolk, like either by, I, I don't know if he has the ability to reopen the mine or just, you know, help, help the town's people out. So he's got just these selfish reasons and uh, doesn't seem to be working for anybody. Yeah. That was one thing that I thought was kind of curious. Um, it seemed to me like there, I mean, there was a cave in uh, at the end of the original. And so I had assumed that the mine was closed because it was like no longer safe. Um, and so it was interesting that sort of dichotomy there where this uh, from from my perspective, from my interpretation of it, at least, this sort of sleazy mayor um, who is clearly trying to make a buck for himself is also like taking the, the the relatively responsible position of closing down this unsafe mine and then is trying to generate new economic activity in the town by the with the idea of opening the, the museum. Um, but of course, it's economic activity that will disproportionately benefit him. Um, but still like I, I, uh, I found his character a little bit more complex than being just sort of a one note greedy scumbag. Um, and I found it sort of tragic listening to the other people in the, that sort of in that town hall meeting where, uh, they were saying, Hey, uh, fuck this museum, but also we need jobs. And I was going, oh man, the museum is the only source of jobs that I've heard anybody talk about that like actually might exist because the mind's not going to. Yeah. Um, oh, a, a, a tragedy for, for all the folks involved. Right. Uh, in the bar scene, there's uh, a bit where people are watching uh, television and um there's it looks like there's two advertisements one for um they don't show like a title or anything but the impression i got was like a fake friday the 13th versus halloween uh film is that what that was uh, uh yeah that yeah that well that was actually a, a clip from the the movie uh, roseblood which is uh a friday the 13th fan film um I think released uh, a few years ago okay. uh, by by Peter Anthony, and uh, so that's that's a footage from from his film that we uh, inserted in there, um, and uh, I think it's pretty pretty neat. Just, it gets people talking a little bit. I just looked this up, and it's yeah, it's another feature length uh, fan film available on YouTube. I did not know this existed. Yeah, yeah. it was uh, it was nice too because it was kind of this uh, this subtle statement to uh, the community like uh you know hey fan films unite you know that we can come together and uh and uh work together and and just you know we're that all we're cool. all a big family so yeah yeah, yeah <laughs> absolutely i mean like everybody's got to do what they can at this level to help each other and what better way to you know grab somebody else's film that would be more than happy to put it in and you know, I think we have, uh, Tom has uh, friends that worked on that film. So to put that in there and make it part of our universe, you know, how cool would it be if somebody did that with Valentine Bluffs? Hint, hint. <laughs> That's really cool. Yeah, I, I really like that attitude that you've got there. And I think it's a clever thing to do. Um, 
that's immediately followed by an advertisement for nightmaretoys.com, uh, which mm -hmm. I went to. It is a real web site yeah. with real, like it's a real toy store. Oh, it's uh, a cool store, yeah. Was that like paid product placement or? Well, Nightmare Toys was uh, one of our sponsors for the okay. film. And um, and we we needed some uh, we needed a, another commercial for that scene, and we got to talking with them, and they have a, a, a an amazing uh, crew that uh, you know makes professional videos for them, and um, and uh, we're talking with uh, Nightmare Christie and and Phil about it, and they they came up with this uh, you know this this really neat commercial that. I think adds uh, had some comedy, uh, but it it it's it's very entertaining. It works. It yeah. makes you laugh, and it seems very authentic. Like it's a real and, and it's a real place too. You know, yeah, and it's, yeah, and it exists in real yeah. life. Yeah, yeah, that's. Uh, I always like fake media inside of media like that because it does so much world building in such a small amount of screen time uh, by establishing more out the the sort of things that exist in this world um so that was really cool i'm glad to get the stories behind both of those things because they really jumped out at me as being like wait a second these look like they <laughs> i was gonna say john was that was that tricky to do when knowing in advance uh you know that 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 was going to be those commercials were going to be superimposed over on the, the television screens or well I didn't know the length. I didn't know, you know, what the commercial actually was going to be, but I left myself enough leeway to actually incorporate that into the movie. You know, the, the, the trick is here. Um, you absolutely want to bring attention to these people that support the film or people we want to support in our universe, but you want to do it in a way where it doesn't look so blatant. You know, it actually does feel like it's part of the movie, but yet at the same time, it makes you want to go, well, and maybe that might be real. I should look it up, you know? So, I mean, that actually kind of worked, you know, and it works out for everybody, so. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly the reaction I had. Uh, when I, when I uh, the first time I watched it, because like I said, I've seen it twice now. Uh, the first time I watched Valentine Bluffs and it did the um, Michael Myers versus uh, Jason Voorhees brief bit, I was like, wow, did they really record like however many shots that was with those costumes and everything for this like 30 second joke? That's amazing. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's actually, uh, that was one of my buddies in uh, the uh, Michael Myers costume. It was played by Brent Edgett, who uh, is a cosplay friend of mine. And um, so you see him on screen there as, as well as. Uh, Jason Brooks in the uh, the Jason Voorhees costume and yeah it's a it's a great it's a great Friday the 13th fan film um, was I, it was it was a uh, it was pretty cool to you know to have that that placed in a film so yeah yeah that's really cool I've looked it up on YouTube now and and have saved it to watch later so that's definitely uh, I'm definitely yeah. gonna watch that yeah. um. So where, what's next? You've just completed this several years long project of making this uh, feature film. What do you, what do you want to do next? Do you have anything in production? Well, I think, um, I think Tom's working on an anthology like horror movie that he's going to probably fund. I don't, I don't know if he's going to go through the, the crowdfunding uh, route. I'm not hundred percent sure, but I think we're going to get started on that. I know he actually went and looked at, um, locations already so 
you know, we want we're we're going to constantly keep working. You know, promote this film with podcasts and and social media, and move on to the next project, and hopefully get better and better, and expand our team, and you know, continue to work with the guys that brought us here. You know, we appreciate everybody. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I. I don't. I don't have anything uh, coming up right now but uh if the opportunity presented itself i mean i would definitely be more than happy to work with any of these guys uh again on a on a tom smith production um very easygoing and just a lot of mutual respect you know sometimes we all don't agree on certain things i mean that's just that's that's going to happen but at the end of the day um you know there's no egos uh and it's just a lot of uh professionalism and respect and um so it makes it it makes it that's what makes it fun and pretty easy good i'm glad to hear this was such a positive experience darren how about you uh i have a several things i'm working on actually with tom kind of on the side not necessarily movie related um oh. and then with my band um Posse, we have with the summer coming up we have some uh some events that we're going to start to do so i'll be concentrating on that and uh you know and with my my wife and i i'm always making something if i'm not working on something with these guys or my band i'm in my shop with my wife and we're building making monsters or something we're always doing something cool always have fun you know if you're not having fun why do it right yeah right can you tell about a, a particularly fun monster to work on I'm not sure if I could. I know we just finished making this uh, this one monster. It's a full body suit. I don't know if we could talk about it. I know. <laughs> well, I I know the name is called the Bug. B O O G. Oh, all right. And um, Tom and I and um, Roland, who's who's not with us at the moment, um, we worked on the uh, the full body suit. And um, I, I think if you look online, you can see stuff about. It. I don't want to give away too much because I don't know what I'm allowed to say, but. That was the last thing that uh, Tom and I worked on, and uh, yeah, we're just like uh, like John said. There's an anthology that that Tom's going to want to start putting together, and we're going to contribute into that, and hopefully that turns into something that uh, we can get some more, um, you know, some more films out of. Cool. Yeah, I love anthology stuff. So I'm I'm curious to hear more about that once it becomes available. Uh, so the last question that I like to uh, leave off with is I ask about where you see the future of independent film uh, going. And I think this is a particularly interesting one um, for you guys, because uh, since most of you haven't been like involved in the film industry for decades or anything like that, like some of the people that I interview, uh, but instead you're only able to do this because of how the film industry has changed. Like I'm willing to bet that this undertaking would have been prohibitively expensive if you had had to make it in 1982 uh, and have had to pay for all of the physical film that you would have needed in order to shoot it, which used to be incredibly expensive. That would have added hundreds of thousands of dollars to your uh, production costs on its own, not to mention post-production being more difficult. Um, so I'm curious if you can talk about uh, your perception of the change of like 
independent filmmaking like this, why you guys made this movie when you did, as opposed to like 10 years earlier or 10 years from now, um, and how you see that sort of thing uh, changing in the future and, and changing what you can or want to do. Um, I guess I'll start. Uh, I think uh, the way things are going right now with the way uh, these new materials that are coming out, um, new editing programs, um, just the fact the internet is out, if you don't know how to do something, you can just Google it, and, you know what I mean? It sets the bar much higher. Um, so when we see independent films, like on this film, I mean, there was a lot of people that most of us work for free for the entire, and you have to, because most of the money had to go into the production. Um, but, you know, I think with the advent of things like 3D printers, um, things that would take a long time to try to physically make, uh, it's obtainable or within reach, you know. Um, and I think the, uh, the quality and the level of the, uh, the work coming out, if something's bad, people are going to let you know right away, you know. Um, so oh. I think the, uh, as soon as you put something out, if people like it, they're going to tell you they like it or not, they're going to rip it apart. So it kind of gauges where to go. Uh, and, and that kind of, uh, kind of talk also talk shows which kind of movies we're going to start making, you know? That's fascinating. Both of those factors are, are like, well, I've, I've heard people talk a little bit about the, uh, expectations for film, but usually in the other direction, um, when I've, ask them this question, but you are definitely the first person to mention 3D printers, which is fascinating. People have talked about how computer effects have gotten much cheaper, uh, but, and, and like practical effects being widely disseminated through, through tutorials on the internet, like you mentioned, but nobody's ever brought up 3D printers before. Yeah. If we needed, um, like, uh, some of the things Tom and I would be working on if, if we need to make like a really large creature, uh, before we would have to sit and sculpt it out, um, make a body cast of somebody and sculpt and everything on it. If our budget allows, we can actually, um, you know, send out a styrofoam basically to get a CNC milled into a rough shape. And then we're only adding a thin skin of, of clay and sculpting that into something versus spending weeks trying to build up a big form. We can, you know, we can have someone rough it out for us and it could be extremely detailed because everything is computer controlled now, you know? And uh, yeah, so it makes, it makes things easier. Um, and then, and then having, and then especially with our group, having people that, that know, like John understands uh, when, when we put something on someone's face here, if we don't blend the edges good, he can see it when he's filming it, you know? So we know that certain lighting and things he can tell us to do, you know, it's, it's just all of just learning and, and uh, growing as you're doing it, you know? Yeah, that's really cool. Uh, yeah, I think the, the future of independent films is just going to keep growing and becoming more popular. I think, uh, touch on what Darren said with, with the technology at our, our fingertips. I mean, there's, you know, uh, heard people making movies with just using their iPhone. Um, and so it, it just, I think it's going to keep growing and growing. Um, sometimes people just don't want to wait necessarily for, you know, these bigger studios to come out with uh, another film or movie as in, you know, my bloody Valentine. And as far as the timing with that, um, 
you probably asked after asked Tom about it, but I know he's had that idea to do the sequel for uh, My Bloody Valentine for quite a while. And uh, I think finally he was just saying it's ready, ready to do it now. And, um, but yeah, it, it's, you know, you're seeing all kinds of uh, fan films um, a lot. And a, a lot of them happen with the help of crowdfunding, which also seems to be growing it's just very commonplace now and um i think you know the the success of of our film is uh totally related to to that having other supportive fans that want to see this happen they're willing to uh you know donate to our project to see it come to life um and you know there's a lot of trust in that as well and um you know, giving, giving over your hard earned money to a project. And, uh, you know, we've, we, we try to patronize other fan films as well, our, ourselves, uh, being fans. And, uh, I think you're going to see a, just a lot more, uh, independent films that, um, you know, people want to, people want to see, people want to make movies and, um, yeah, the technology is kind of at your fingertips. And, um, I, I think it's going to be great. I think it puts, pressure on these you know other studios and uh probably makes them nervous <laughs> seeing, <laughs> seeing some of the you know the quality of some of the projects that have been coming out from from indie filmmakers yeah yeah uh thinking about specifically fan films as opposed to independent films more broadly uh is that why this movie's on youtube instead of on platforms like tubi um i would expect that that's where i normally go for independent films is to be honestly uh but is that like a copyright thing uh i think uh youtube was was kind of our plan all along um okay. that that would be more of a probably a tom smith question to okay to answer well, i hope that. i can i hope i can get him on here and do a uh valentine bluffs interview part two yeah yeah he can answer all the questions that Chuck Ryan doesn't know. <laughs> <laughs> also, we were wasn't it uh, the YouTube version is a two K version? Tom said we couldn't upload the four K. Oh, um, yeah, it was having some difficulty. I think uh, with the four K version, uh, for some reason, it was getting uh, it was getting flagged. Getting flagged, yeah. In the four K version versus the two K. Huh. Right. Right. But the 2K it. looks pretty solid. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Pretty good. You know? I, I still watch things at 1080p. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah, I mean, touching on the technology aspect of how things have grown, you know, um, we would not be able to do this maybe 10 years ago, you know, all sit in front of a computer and talk about the movie that you just oh, saw yeah. on your computer that we can share with a link. Um, you know, you can finish something relatively quick edit it relatively quick and get it out there relatively quick and as an independent filmmaker if you're not looking for distribution or other avenues of revenue uh you could be your own boss and the technology just gets better every day you know it gets easier but i will say this as easy as it gets you do need to know the rules you need to to understand the basics that have been since the beginning of filmmaking you know with film lenses uh, acting, blocking, script writing, it all starts with the script, you know, and it all ends in post. 
but you'll tend to see independent filmmakers say, and this is something we did not do on set, we'll fix it in post. Because <laughs> you're right, you can just continue to keep shooting. There's no penalty. It's just time, you know? Hmm. All right. Yeah. Well, cool. Thank you all for coming on and talking and sharing this fascinating story of, of how this really quite monumental project for uh, some uh, just some fans to put together uh uh all came to be and you ended up with this great result that is uh available to watch for free on youtube valentine bluffs a my bloody valentine fan film full movie 2023 2k version to use the full title that it has list that it is listed as uh is there anywhere else that you would like to direct people to you know follow you do you use social media or anything like that that you'd like people to check out uh yeah people go uh watch the film it's uh uh the youtube channel it's on it's called wheeze in hollywood if they would uh, uh watch the movie of course and click uh, that like button and subscribe that would be awesome um the wheeze in hollywood is uh uh tom smith's um uh, film production um, company and um, anybody wants to follow my my cosplay escapades they can follow me on Instagram and Facebook at uh, Chuck Ryan cosplay um, and I will be at a few we'll be at a few different uh, horror conventions uh, this year uh, promoting Valentine Bluffs uh, so if uh, people check out our social media um, the Valentine Bluffs fan film on uh, youtube instagram and twitter uh, we'll have updates on there as well as to where we're going to be if they want to come check us out uh, yeah i'm a uh, darren master on facebook um i'm on instagram i'm not on very often but i'm i think i'm toberoni t-o-b-e-r-r-o-n-i i'm just so weird it's my dog toberoni on instagram uh and for my band if you follow me it's uh pocono posse uh we're on facebook and instagram um, and we have links for the music. You can get these downloads for the music for the uh, movie. You can hear it there. And um, yeah, really much, much going on right now. I'm just taking a little bit of a break. And uh, I'll get back into things pretty soon. And you could reach me at John Picos at, uh, on Facebook. Hey, listen, guys, when, when you're done watching the, the movie, I really would love to hear your your comments, your critiques, whatever. You know, hit me up. Let's chat. I mean, we all did this because we love horror. So mm -hmm. the only way we're going to get better is to get really good criticism on what you would like to see. And definitely subscribe so you can see what we're doing next and be a part of it. Yeah, leave a constructive YouTube comment. Make this to be the first YouTube video that just has constructive comments under it. <laughs> there you go. I currently, as of the time of this recording, I have the top rated comment on uh, the the YouTube video for the movie uh, where I commented that uh, I only, I literally only heard that this project existed at like 2 p.m. on Valentine's Day, the day that it was released, with it being released at 5 p.m. So I got to be like, oh, wow, I will watch this tomorrow because I'm spending Valentine's Day with my spouse. I actually saw that comment. <laughs> yeah, you were one of the first to make one. Yeah, I saw it too. 
All right. Well, it's been great talking with you guys. Uh, I wish you continued luck uh, with this film and with your future projects. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you, Thomas. Appreciate the time.